Would you join me in prayer? Come, the spirit of the truth. Reveal to us things that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no human mind has conceived. The things God has prepared for those who love him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Matthew 13, verse 44. Let us read together. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. This is the word of the Lord. Today, I'm going to take you on a radical journey a journey you may or may not be in inspired enough to participate in. Let me start by asking you a strange little question. Have you ever been told by someone else that you are insane? I'm going to talk about a trade or exchange that sounds insane to those who don't understand the value of exchange, but is in fact so significant, so essential, that we should never miss it. In the time when Jesus was talking, there was no safe deposit box or bank. There were no better security places than the ground where you could keep your valuables or gold coins. It was a common practice that wealthy persons buried their treasures in the ground. It wasn't unusual that they got killed or died accidentally before they could come back for the treasures. Then the treasure in the ground was forgotten. Perhaps hundreds of people walked by it every day, passing only a few feet away from its incredible wealth. But it was concealed. And the kingdom of heaven is like that. It's hidden. The truth is hidden. Hundreds of years later, a man, probably a hired man or laborer who was working on the field, found the treasure. For fear someone else would take it, he concealed it again. The point here is the eagerness of the man to obtain the treasure. He was not a man of means. In order to buy that field, he had to sell everything he had, liquidate everything he had, and basically impoverish himself, in a sense. People might say, what's wrong with this fellow? Why was he selling everything he possessed? Then they might not have understood. But he knew that what he was doing was the best thing. He knew that there, were, there was far more in the field that he was paying for the field. It's all or nothing. There's no halfway. 
He had to lose everything and risk everything, but he was willing to do it. He wasn't reluctant. Don't miss the word joy in this verse. In his joy, he went and sold all that he had and bought that field. He had joy because he knew what he was getting was so much more than what he was giving up, even though he had to give up everything he had. He saw the value that others looking at the same thing didn't see. He realized that the benefits and the rewards were bigger than it cost. The sacrifice he was making in this context was nothing compared to the tremendous overwhelming riches and joy that he was gaining. It didn't say he sacrificed and then he got joy, but he got joy and then he sacrificed. <coughs> he sacrificed in joy in the knowledge of what was on the way. The kingdom of heaven is so valuable that losing everything on earth but getting the kingdom is a happy trade-off. That's the main point of this parable. The Apostle Paul expresses this very thing in Philippians 3, verse 7 through 8. Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth, surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. In the parable, the man sells everything he has so that he can have the kingdom. In Philippians 3, verse 8, Paul suffers the loss of all things that he may gain Christ. The point here in this parable and in Philippians 3 verse 8 is that the people who receive the kingdom treasures it more than everything else. The loss of all things is not sad if we gain Christ. Becoming a Christian it's not a change of degree, but a change in kind. It's not a matter of degree and quantity, but a matter of quality and essence. It is leaving your native home and entering the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God. <coughs> but entering the kingdom of heaven means being willing to sacrifice everything that goes against your new king. In other words, the kingdom of heaven will cost you everything you have. But is it expensive? Not at all. It's a bargain. It's as if a poor boy bought out all of Bill Gates' asset in exchange for his one dollar, all he has. The gospel is radical. You have to give up everything in order to receive the kingdom of heaven. C.S. Lewis illustrates what it means to become a Christian in his book, Mere Christianity, 
as follows. Imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to build, rebuild the dead house. At first, perhaps, you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drain right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you are not surprised. But presently, he started knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he's building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting on an, an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage, but he's building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. The kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God, is not mainly a realm or a place, but rule or reign. This reign is present in part, but will be, cons will be consummated at the second coming of Christ. The kingdom is hidden because its ultimate fulfillment is in the future. When Jesus returns, there will be a new physical universe where we will be, where we will live as resurrected people. Then his kingdom will be fully revealed in all its glory and power. But until then, it's hidden. That's why faith is required to enter it. So the blessings we have now in Christ are great. But the fullness of our inheritance awaits the coming of Christ. The deep truth in the Bible that make up the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven are hidden from the wise and intelligent as it is described in Matthew eleven twenty five. That's why many choose an easy, broad way that is obvious. First Corinthians two verse. 9 through 14 suggests that the truth of the gospel is hidden because it is written in spiritual word. Verse 14 makes this point much clearer, saying, The man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, for he considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are concerned, discerned only through the spirit. Pilgrimage to the kingdom of heaven, that is, following Christ, isn't easy. It's a sheer adventure. The invitation of Jesus is follow me. But it was crystal clear that following him was a dangerous thing. In this parable, he was saying, are you willing to sacrifice everything? Security, safety, comfort, possible life. To follow me? The willingness to risk is the price of entry to the kingdom. Are you with me? It sounds reckless to give up everything for a higher good. 
But the thing is, we follow Christ because He called us to, not because it's going to feel good for us if we do. In fact, several times Jesus warned that those who followed Him would have a tougher road than those who don't. The tendency nowadays is to play down the difficulty of Christianity. In fact, there is no such thing as pragmatic Christianity. The danger of pragmatic Christianity is that it limits the mind to the practical. Truth is reduced to what works. The pragmatic Christianity, uh, I mean, the pragmatic Christian mind does not even try to reach beyond what it can grasp. The congregation without willingness to pay the price or make sacrifices to follow Christ is like the one who has a name of being alive but is virtually dead. That church is nothing more than the valley full of lifeless dry bones described in Ezekiel. Jesus has never promised to prepare a place for us here and now, but promised that he would prepare a place for us in the kingdom of heaven and come again to take us to where he is. The essence of the parable of this hidden treasure is this. One, Christ is our treasure as he he gave himself up for us all to give us eternal life. That is an imperishable inheritance kept in heaven for us. Two, a man who not having started in the pursuit of holiness or truth is brought by the seeming accidents of life, chance meetings, for example, to the knowledge of the truth, to Christ himself. In Christ, this man finds a joy above every earthly treasure, and he's ready to sacrifice every inferior thing in order to gain the superior things of Christ. Friends, I'd like to share the stories about two exemplars in my life. One is the story of a Korean missionary who received his PhD from Harvard University and is also an author of a series of books, including a book titled Laying Down, which has more than a million sales. This book is also available in English if you are interested. He identifies himself as a heavenly nomad. His career as a full-time missionary wasn't intended from the beginning. He said he felt empty after he received a sheer sheet of PhD diploma from Harvard University. To overcome the sense of emptiness and at the same time in gratitude to God, he decided to spend a couple of, a couple of years as a lay missionary in Mongolia. While he was doing his ministry there, he experienced great joy and eventually decided to become a full-time missionary. Having served for seven years in Mongolia, he and his family moved to Indonesia in 2011 to establish 
a Christian university there with a vision to train future missionaries. Indonesia is the world's most populous Muslim-majority country with 227 million adherents in 2017. The university admitted its first student last year and started to build the second building this year amid financial pressure. In his book, he says, now is the time for us to lay down. The reality of the world tempts us by saying that we will lose everything if we lay ours down. But the truth of the kingdom of heaven promises to us that it will become truly ours only when we lay it down. There are things in our life that seem obviously ours, but in fact are not, which we should lay down. We will be able to experience genuine rest and peace only when we lay down before God. The honor we have gained at great cost and efforts, the financial resources we grasp firmly, security about our future, and even our own lives. He confesses he has been enjoying a life of heavenly nomad under God's abundant providence by humbly, by humbly obeying God who asked him to lay down the honor of a Harvard PhD, security of the future, the safety of his family, and even the fruits of his surrender. Friends, I'm a two-time cancer survivor. I didn't realize that my health is not mine, but God's, until I lost it. I was an investment banker turned New York attorney before I came to Princeton Seminary. I didn't realize that my possessions are not mine, but God's, until I lost everything. I personally experienced what a Korean missionary said is true. I was scheduled for surgery in Korea when I was visiting New York City to have a job interview. I found a young man who was dying and could only be revived by the message, by the message of the gospel. I had to lay down my life and goals to preach the gospel to this young man. A few months later, my doctor confirmed to me that there was no cancerous tumor found in the remote tissue. I have been without cancer for five years now. When I lay down my life, God gave it back to me. The missionary says his surrender led to gaining what is the best. His identity as heavenly nomad is identical to those of our ancestors in faith, including Abram. Hebrews 11 explains that they all lived in faith on earth as aliens seeking a homeland and died in faith without having received what was promised. Verses 15 and 16 of the same chapter say, if they have been thinking of the land they had left behind, 
they would have had opportunity to return. But they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Their relentless hope for eternal life in the heavenly abode constantly motivate them to live as foreigners in this world. The second exemplar I want to share is my grandfather. My grandfather was a poor farmer. He established a church in his community and served the church for more than 50 years. As he spent most of his earnings to build and maintain the church, he didn't have enough money to send his children to high school. He was the one who rang the bell at 3.30 every morning to call people to morning prayer. He did this for 30 years. When the pastor didn't attend, he was often the only one at morning prayer who kneeled down to pray for an hour. One day, he had a brain stroke, brain stroke and was partially paralyzed. However, he didn't stop ringing the bell until he had a second stroke during a very cold winter, which completely paralyzed him and lay him on the bed for four years until he passed away at 91. My mother and her siblings didn't understand their father and complained about his extravagant faith in God. In the end, his faith inspired his children to walk in the same way. One of his daughters, my aunt, my aunt, got her PhD from a well-known seminary in Illinois and served as the president of the National Association of Presbyterian Women in Korea, a community of more than two million women. Traveling to more than 60 countries in the world for mission work. I once asked God what my grandfather did while he remained completely paralyzed during his last four years. God made me realize that he didn't stop praying even at that time. I can't see anything else in my grandfather but Jesus, who didn't stop praying for us, even on the cross. I adore my grandfather as he surrendered all he had until the last moment of his life. My hope is in the kingdom of heaven. This is where I can again meet my grandfather and grandmother, my beloved aunt, a poor widow, who broke open her jar of expensive perfume to send me to China to study. And my dear friend who died at 12 from heart, heart disease. More importantly, there I will be face to face with my Lord, who I can see now only like a reflection in a mirror. Then. The Lord will wipe every tear from our eyes. 
there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the first things have passed away. The kingdom of heaven is so real to me. It is truly good news for me. Is it also good news for you?